guys welcome to trust in the drive podcast episode number eight and whoa whoa who is that that it's christopher elderton it's his first episode with this new face and no mustache wow it's incredible today we're going to do a deep dive on council person cyril jefferson of ward one and we're going to do some comparisons of like a used car salesperson and a and a politician and see how they uh and see how they can work well together um, I'm excited to get y'all on board. Welcome to Trust in the Drive. How you doing today, man? Welcome to Trust in the Drive. Chris, I'm good. Appreciate you having me. Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy day. Uh, me and you both are real busy, and it's it's always nice uh, when we get to kind of sit down and have a conversation. Agreed, agreed. Uh, for y'all who don't know, as I see Cyril all the time, but we're in big crowds of people, and most of the time we're in a rush, and we don't get to exactly. catch up like intimately or like talk and like be like real with each other. Right. Uh, so we're gonna try to try to do that today, and I love I love uh, interviewing and talking and getting to know you know who you are and uh, okay. what you believe. Um, but so one of the things is you went to Andrews. I did. Okay. Red so Raider pride, man. Red Raiders go high point. Love it. High point local. Um, anytime we can do somebody that's born in this city and become a great professional person like you are and stay in the city, that's a huge success. How do you feel about like keeping the people that are born in high point, staying in high point and being proud of their city? Yeah. You know, High Point has an incredible legacy, Chris, and you and your family know that. You guys have spent 100 years plus building an enterprise that is known not just here, but all across this country, the incredible work y'all do. And so you recognize what makes our city so special. And I think when you have this kind of community that produces the way it does, it's not just production in terms of uh, good quality products, but it's also good quality people. Yeah. Every son and daughter of our great city, I think, grows up knowing and hopefully believing that this city loves them. And so the hope and goal is that um, whether they go away to school or they go away to serve or whatever it is, that in some form of capacity, they find it within themselves to give back to the city. And I believe the best way to give back is to make this your home again. That's right. I love it. I, I, high Point people are very proud people. Yeah. And and I, I think they should be. We have a great city that we should be proud of. We should be able to promote it. And I um so we'll touch on more of that in a little bit. I definitely want to focus on what your professionalism is and helping companies become socially responsible, yeah. which I think that's a, a great uh, initiative. Is that the right word to maybe use? Like a great purpose to live for? Yeah. So our company, Change Often Social Innovation Firm, was founded five years ago. Um, and it came really as a result of the work I had done, Chris, working in schools and nonprofits, also working um, as a man of faith in church and youth Perfect. ministry. And so I felt called to start the firm several years ago. Really at the same time I felt called to run for office. Um, you know, the kind of origin story that starts this that uh, was picked up in the media some time ago was, you know, I was working with young people who needed help. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, they needed help bad. And and all of my years of working with young people, of all the success that we had, you still find there are those who fall through the cracks for various reasons. And whether it's because there's a lack of resources or maybe uh, the right plan wasn't effectuated, perhaps um, there's some people who need adjusting 
whatever it right. may be, those end up being inhibitors to that young person's success and inherently becomes inhibitors to a community's collective success. And so the firm and my calling to run for office to be on city council now was about how do we build better community? How do we build capacity in the people that make our community so great such that we can improve lives and solve what I would consider really robust social and economic challenges? Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely intertwined. Yeah. The business leaders that are in this town right now yeah. have the opportunity to really change some people's lives. Yep, absolutely. And I try to take advantage of that every day. Unfortunately, we have some folks that we, you know, have come into our business that don't really follow our mm. core values of our company, and they uh, they don't get to continue working for our company. Um, and I'm glad y'all stand by that too. By the we way. got to. We got you to stand for something. It's a uh, it's a part of our brand. It's a part of our purpose to be here in High Point. On um, part of our our Ilderton core values is having like integrity, being you know dependable, trustworthy, neighborly. All these all these things that uh, are the words behind me right here uh, that represent our my last name. Um, those are things that you come into businesses and try to create if they don't have it, right? So you're you're like a consultant for a company wide. You'll maybe job shadow some people for a little bit. Uh, what's the week one, week two of you coming into a company like looking like? I think the most important thing is to come in and first listen and understand. Yeah. So you can dissect the problem clearly. And, and if you don't mind, I'm using a metaphor here for a Perfect. second. Perfect, yeah, yeah. So kind of like with cars, and I don't pretend to be an auto mechanic, okay. but with cars, you know, a good car mechanic is not just gonna, you know, have you pull up to the lot and say, man, we've got problems doing this. And they say, you know what? this exactly and you know yeah. if that mechanic does that they just want your money exactly because a good mechanic is going to say it could be a number of things but what we first need to do is get it back here run some kind of diagnostics check um, you got right, it and figure out where the issue is going uh maybe we do some level of assessment which could cost a price but if the assessment yields a repair that we can also do for you we'll build that in to the repair price right i love it and we want to make sure that you get some level of warranty on that yep it's similar in the work that we do. We want to be able to diagnose and dissect what problems are. And after knowing that, be able to help you construct a plan that can be sustainable. If you if you do want to become a service advisor at okay. Overton, okay. You, you, you would be welcome to work there at any point. No, okay. we uh, that is a, that is a great description of how we want to take care of our customers. And I think it's a, a really great analogy that you put together just now. There is uh, no exact answer that you can put down immediately, but it is a culture that you can try to create, and it, sometimes it's going to take some time. Absolutely. Take some years maybe Absolutely. even. Um, so fortunately, we have that. I spoke to you about this beforehand, and you yeah. said, you know, Ilderton's got a pretty good culture, pretty good core values. I do like to promote that at our company. We work really hard to do that. Yeah. What are some other examples of business leaders or businesses yeah. in High Point that do – some of the same things that the Ilderton core values do, like yeah. HBU or who else? Yeah. So when I think of corporate social responsibility, you know, folks who, number one, offer good gainful employment oh, to, yeah. to their workforce, ensure that they can take care of their people, um, people make the world go round. And ultimately, a lot of the challenges that we're trying to address in communities and in government and in our firm and wherever you go, we're trying to address challenges that ultimately impact people and also challenges that in most cases are created by people. And so companies who take time to invest in their people, who take time to really learn about their people and ensure that they give their people what they need, the tools to do the job well, 
well, that's something that you want to respect and hopefully emulate. And so Ilderton's one that comes to mind. High Point University comes to mind. Um, I think not only that, I think about what Dr. Peters is doing with Bethany and all of his conglomerates um, in terms of Peters yeah. development and so many things there. I think about Old Dominion and our friends with the Condon family. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many more. Stratagon, the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, we we are blessed to live in a community where so many organizations are committed to being responsible entities and what they do and not just in the sense of their workforce the final thing i'm say this it's also in how they give back and invest into their community very true very true i love that yeah i mean they're if somebody has let go of their company all of those companies that you just talked about they they wear it and they say i failed that person yeah they they truly do feel like that i know the people that run those companies and i feel like that if somebody is you know let go of our you know, company or doesn't make it because they can't fit into the culture. It's because, you know, I didn't um, maybe work better, you know, as best as I could for them. Or I, I do really feel that I have to uh, push them to become a better person, you know, and, 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 that, and that's hard to do. Uh, I know the Condon family does that. I know HBU tries to do that. Uh, and a lot of people that that uh, Elderton works with tries to do that. And I think that's that's amazing that you're coming in and being a helping hand in that process, because it's not easy. It's very hard to do. Not at all. Well, and think of it this way, right? You run a business, and at the end of the day, you still have a bottom line. And so many times in the short term, we think about efficiencies that help us reach that bottom line. And so we make short-term decisions that have long-term ramifications. And so what we tell folks is investing in your people may feel like the least efficient thing to do in the short term, but what it does is it pays dividends in the yeah. long term because you have the kind of culture that you need, you have less turnover, um, and you have folks who produce great products and services that your end consumer really appreciates. That's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is, is try to get someone who doesn't believe in that, yeah. try to believe in that. And um, it's, uh, it's a challenge and I'm gonna fight every day to try to keep have to keep it going. I know you are too. You know, Chris, if I could go back for a moment, because our firm, what we really enjoy doing is ensuring to recognize folks who do incredible work, um, who operate in a space of inclusion, who operate in a space of accessibility. Yeah. To recognize, again, what I said earlier, people make the world go round, but people come in all shapes and sizes. And so the work that Ilderton's doing, the conversion uh, work that cool you business. guys are doing in terms of ensuring that vehicles uh, can accommodate folks with different abilities and special needs. You know, um, I imagine that when that work began, you know, there wasn't an incredible market for that, but there had to be someone to say, listen, there are people who want to drive, and right now they're being held back from that. And as small as that seems to someone, that's a big deal, dude. Think for a second. We live in a world that's made up in incredible places and incredible people. But the only thing in most times that keeps incredible places and incredible people from connecting is folks' accessibility to get from place to place. Totally. And so Elderton helps mitigate that. Yeah. Elderton says, hey, regardless of who you are, regardless of abilities, regardless of where you come from, we want to ensure that we can connect you from place to place. And to me, that's a big deal. Yeah. It, thank you so much for pointing that out. Elderton Conversion Company they want to understand that problem so much so that they want to be as involved as possible to give that person accessible vehicle. Uh, there's so many stories my dad had growing up that he would uh, go to these people's houses because they couldn't even come to our dealership mm. to look at a vehicle 
to purchase so that they could go to the grocery store so go. that they could go to the doctor's appointments. You, you know, he uh, worked so hard to build uh, this company and he loved it. He, he worked it with a passion because he, he was so passionate about people wanting to be able to live a normal life and just to live a happy life. And, and, and who doesn't want to drive down the road with the windows down yeah. and the country music blasting oh, yeah. on a good, like on a, on a nice day. Like I've, I've gotten to see people do that for the first time at 40 years old. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're sitting down, driving down the road, hanging out, yeah. driving the car, trusting the drive. Like it is, it is so cool to see somebody have that aha moment for the first time. Um, thank you so much for pointing that out. And then yeah. shout out to Tim Elderton for doing that. Like that's shout him out, man. That it's is, a, that is his baby. Boy. And he does such a good job of uh building that company up and i'm just so proud of him for doing that and same with my sister catherine like shout out to her like she's that is her realm now my sister okay. catherine is she is she's doing that work the general manager of that company we've got divisions in charlotte and okay. asheville and charleston and it's taken us uh so far it's taken us all over the southeast united states it started it did start in high point though right in high really point. Cool. you know high point is where things are made yeah yeah they are is innovation at its finest. I love that, man. Um, we uh, okay, so we'll transition a little bit more um, into uh, what do you think? What do you think is is like your performance review on yourself? Like, if you were to sit back and interview yourself, uh, where do you think you fell short this this past year? And where do you where where do you want to be at next year? What are, what are your, some of your goals? I know you're a very motivated person, and you have uh, tons of aspirations. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. You know, uh, probably much like yourself, Chris, we get busy doing work and we focus so much on doing the work. Um, and we probably don't do enough communicating out about the work that we're doing. Yeah. My only regret is that in this past year and in the past three and a half years of being on council that, you know, the incredible work that we've been doing to build the city, to help it grow, um, to revitalize and ensure that those who live here, who invest in it, who serve, who play, who go to school, who retire here, um, ensuring that they can understand a lot of those decisions. And it's mostly just a matter of, you know, 120,000 people in the city. Folks have lives with plenty of things to do. Not everyone gets to come to city council meetings or um, read the newspaper or hear about the big thing going on. But when things do happen and things rumble up to the surface, sometimes you get a version of a story that you may have just heard, yeah. you know, where yeah. you could be. And so um, one of the problems that I think we're constantly trying to address is how do we communicate thoroughly and how do we ensure that the message comes through in a way the folks can receive it, can digest it and do something with that information. Yeah. And so um, not that we would want to spend so much time communicating about the work and marketing ourselves that we can't do the work. I think I'm going to always, you know, err on the side of doing the work. Right. Um, but if we can find a way to do that work and communicate out about it so that way folks can see and understand it, uh, I think it helps move the needle on the confidence that people have and where our community sure. is going. Yeah, being at that, that is, that is a hard thing to do sometimes, being transparent, being truthful, and assuring assured that the I guess it's not a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing for the person on the other side to understand. And, and, and the way you can do that is by always being transparent and being truthful. And sometimes they'll believe you and sometimes they won't. And I know the city of High Point and all the city council people that I deal with all the time, they're extremely forward and extremely transparent. 
there is going to be people though that are they're going to try to tear you down or try to change the conversation or narrative um and it's but it's 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 a tough job it's a tough gig we got we got tough gigs to to work on so i uh if elderton trust in the drive podcast uh or our social media can ever make sure that the city is uh getting represented as best as possible like we want to be an advocate Thank for you. the city. Appreciate you know, that. the city has Seriously. helped us tremendously grow and prosper for 97 years now, yeah. which is incredible that we've been doing business in this town for that long. Chris, um, pause for a second. Yeah. How do you feel knowing that in three years you all will have done a century's worth that. of service? It's a big deal. And selling products and giving in consumers what they need to get around and see their families. I mean, a, a century of that. A hundred years. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like pinch me because I'm dreaming because I'm still uh, it, like the conversation started maybe at 75 years when we okay. started doing it. That was when the first conversation that I was ever like remembered and never did I dream that it would be 100 it, really up until 95 came. Um, and I would say like 100 is just the new beginning. Like I want it to be like 150 years now, you know, and then Tim, Tim, my dad is is a. You know, he's uh, just a very humble person. Like, he's definitely excited about it being 100 years. The community gives us the opportunity to stay open. It's not that, you know, we've done this amazing job and it's all on us. Like, yeah. the community wants to buy cars from us and they want to sell sell their cars to us and they want to bring their cars to get oil changes. And they believe in us. Right. And that, that when you think about it like that, uh, it's our duty to yeah. stay open. You know, if we don't, we're going to be taken away. Um the opportunity for somebody to do business yeah. in a just like a legit way and an incredible um atmosphere you uh it's hard to believe that it's that it's going to actually be 100 years i mean we'll, we'll we'll have to make it big yeah. we'll have to do some sort of like re like ribbon cutting fireworks yeah. It can't be like too classy though, because we're still okay. a car dealership. You know what I mean? Like it's gotta, you gotta be, stay on brand. We gotta stay on brand. Okay. Like it can't be like a wine and cheese party. Yeah, it's gotta be bad. like not a bad. big old hoedown. You okay. Know? <laughs> like country music, big stage. You know, hoedown. Okay. There was uh, there was there's all these there's these funny stories over a hundred years that I've heard from, um, you know talking birds in the showroom okay. to customers coming by to see Santa Claus during Christmas. I mean, like yeah. these folks come out from the community when I'm out eating with my family and they tell me these stories. They're like, I remember going down to Elderton Dodge back in the sixties and y'all had the coolest Santa Claus ever. And we, and I was like, that is crazy. Like that people feel like they, uh, that I was a part of their lives. Like that the business that I'm running is a part of their lives so much so that they want to like, tell me about it. I just think that's incredible. Yeah. You know, you look at businesses and entrepreneurship and you think about America. And I think that what better way to epitomize not only the American promise and dream, but the very fabric of our American DNA. I think so much of it comes from the fact that you have businesses uh, within our communities who choose to provide a reasonable service and product yeah. to consumers. Um, services and products that consumers need and you're able to do it according to demand and I think that when businesses choose to do that it's hard to find things that are more noble because it's quite a challenge being in business it's quite a challenge running businesses um, but it's, when you stick to it for 97 years 
and soon to be 100 years says a lot about fortitude, about character, um, about stick-to-itiveness, if I can just say that, about yeah. grit, uh, yeah. determination. So It takes a lot to, uh, to, to really gain a customer, and it's even easier to lose one. Like I would say in my like experiences being in the service department, like we can uh, get oil on somebody's steering wheel and lose that customer forever because they felt like, uh, you know, they weren't treated fairly. And, and that, that is their right. You know, like they paid for a service and it wasn't completed properly. So that it kind of stands out to us that we strive to perfection. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not always perfect, but we definitely strive for perfection. Yeah. You know, like walking a customer to their car after they've you know gotten service from us just the handoff just to be like here's your automobile here's your transportation like please continue to go on with your life and live a happy life like that is a is something that we're proud of being able to do um and we're just happy people come in and talk to us and you know want to do business with us let let me ask you this question i know i'm reversing the roles yeah yeah what's up like i'm podcast host yeah yeah i love it um you know at Change Often, we live by this saying from Winston Churchill, to improve is to change, to perfect is to change often. And I think about what you said there about, hey, how do we strive for perfection? Mm. And much like when we use that quote I just said, we know there's no such thing as being perfect. Right. Um, but to strive for that, right, is really what you're aiming towards. And really, that's what consumers appreciate about good businesses is that they're always trying to perfect what they do but you don't do it without constantly changing and growing and getting better at what you do from where you sit um and again i know you've not experienced the whole 97 years but right right. um the time that you have experienced i mean how have you seen you guys grow in that way so i think it's like the car business in general was like okay here are the rules and like here's how the customer needs to obey and now it needs to be more like can we invite you in and tell us how you would like to purchase this car mm, so that we okay. can accommodate you more? Yeah. And uh, trying to change that image is a, is harder. And also trying to change that culture in your company is, is, is hard. So it, just because you believe in it, uh, like myself, and that kind of motto of doing business doesn't mean that everyone yeah, you work for, you know, everyone's just going to adopt it immediately. Um, there'll be, uh, well, we used to always do it like this mm-hmm. and that to me is like the nail in the coffin yeah like you can't i'm just if somebody, we always did it like that just because we always did it like, be the yeah. solution now. if yeah. someone brings that up in our leadership meeting or one of our sales meetings and stuff i just i shut it down fast i shut it down fast i said what does the customer want what does the customer need and how can we be more inviting into them to like yeah. make the, the experience better right. so that's uh that's probably my biggest challenge but also biggest accomplishment over the last year working at Elderton Dodge is like getting people to believe that, um, that it's like the, the salesperson or the service advisor or the sales manager, it's not just their way or the highway. It's like, okay, let's listen to what the community wants and let's act fast on it and, you know, get them a vehicle or get them a oil change that they want. Yeah. I love Um, it, man. And it's evolving, um, and changing, uh, it's you can argue it's nature's moral imperative that if we don't keep growing, um, then we inevitably won't be here. Yeah. And to be here 97 years, if you'd have never told me that story, I would have known for a fact somewhere in the logs of y'all's history, there's been evolution, there's been change, because you don't make it 97 years doing the exact same thing. 
Yeah. I, I truly believe the future of the car business is going to be like, um, you know, hopefully we're like a, a place where vehicles are stored and stocked and like we can service vehicles. And then a, uh, someone calls in and you have like an iPad, uh, you take all their information and then you deliver the car to them and they have like financing terms, like everything right there and then and show you what the vehicle is and then like hand you the keys and then you take back their old vehicle and just try to make it like as clean as possible, just like Amazon does, yeah. you know, like Amazon does a great job. Like all you do is go on an app and click a button. It shows up at your door in two days. And uh, if we can adapt that in the car business, yeah. we're going to be alive for 150 years. Yeah. We're going to be able to do that. You might not want that in a recording. Some some of your competitors might steal that idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that's that. If, if whoever masters that idea, I'm going to work for them so I can <laughs> learn how to do it and then implement <laughs> and it at my dealership so that I can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it is uh, the car business is cool like that where they all like it's a very collaborative group. Okay. We, we we share a lot of ideas and we're very friendly with each other. Um, yes, we all want the greater good for the community. I mean, every car dealer I know that's in town, Greg York, uh, the um, Burt Schiesel, right? The Burt Schiesel, Rickerson Ford. Uh, there's uh, there's just a ton of like community efforts and giving back to the community with that group. Like they believe in the city too. And so um, they just want their customers to stay with going to dealers. Like whatever brand you like, make sure you go to that brand and make sure you go to that dealer and like you're going to get the best experience. And they, right. they want to like they hold that like it's like a like a sh like a shield of honor. Like you've right. been like knighted, you know, right. like we have. We're, we're very fortunate. We're very lucky uh, that we have these manufacturers that like Jeep, Ford, Dodge, Chrysler, you know, they back us so that um, – so we can give a good product to their community, uh, but I'll I'll let you know when they when they do let us start, uh, you know, just handing out keys and just no, DocuSign and stuff. It, yeah. It's um, we're I think we're a long ways from that. There's a, there's a little bit of a thing called the the government. They oh, they okay. like to also know what's going on. Oh, do that. You know, oh, and they gotta they gotta have their like check of approval to make sure that everything's all good, which is a good thing. We love yeah. the government. We have no issues. The government's um, helping us stay in business. You know, we, we sell to all the government agencies. Uh, so we just want to be a part of the process, but, uh, yeah. one day it's, it's, things are going to be moving real fast in the way you sell cars. Right. And I hope we can adapt it. I don't want people to come in and sit in our showroom for four hours and, right. Right. you know, just wait on their car to get ready. So, but, um, well, great. That was a great answer too. I love that. Uh, all right. So what's on your, what's on your summer reading list? I love reading books. Do you have anything that you uh, want to share with, with me? I'm always trying to add to it. So Barack Obama, when he came out of his presidency, he didn't immediately release his first book or third book. It would have been, I think, um, he, his wife, I think she did hers first. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, she got to roll it out with the big tour and it was awesome. And then Barack's promised land came out. But it came out during the pandemic, so things it was kind of quiet. I didn't get to do the same book tour and everything. So surprisingly, um, I don't know a ton of friends who have it. Uh, if they do, they I won't. don't have it. I mean, yeah. you, it's it's I one. It's out. like an eight hundred page book, Oof. and I'm probably three hundred pages in. It's a big one, um, but it is awesome. I like Barack's uh, latest Netflix documentary that he put out about the like the three levels of like working class. Okay. Um, he does this like, you know, somebody who's maybe like working for the city 
and they have like a minimum wage job or they're also trying to get above minimum wage and uh, some of the things that they have to go through and he walks into their home and he sits down with them and he interviews them and he gets like really personal with them. And then it just goes up the ladder with like uh, the general manager of one of like the nicest hotels mm-hmm. in Chicago. And he, and he sits down and interviews him. And he talks about how hard his job is. Uh, and he's just trying to, you know, he's all he's doing is trying to connect people together and yeah. just you know grow that empathy for each other. And, uh, yeah. I love that. He's good at that. I love that. He's good at uniting. He, he always has a good way. I think of tapping into those stories to yeah. help us all yeah. understand. And as we human to human can empathize, as you said, hopefully we can make better decisions, not only sure. in government, not only in business, but just in general, person yeah. to person. Can we make better decisions to help one another out and build a better world? And yeah. That's the goal. Um, that's awesome. So, okay. So what kind of car are you driving? What's your favorite car? I drive a GMC Yukon Denali XL. Nice. That's a good car. So that's a competitor's car of, of the brand that I represent. Okay. Okay. So we would have the Grand Wagoneer. Okay. Would be the like comparative or competitive vehicle. It's like seven or eight. Yeah. Got the big, uh, I guess towing, not, well, yeah. Yeah. Towing. Yeah. Then you've got. In the back, what's it called? A tailgate? What's the park car in the back? It's not a trunk. Um, There's a trunk. Uh, the tailgate. It's the, called a tailgate. Yeah, when yeah, you yeah. lift it up, you can like. So you got a ton of room space, in the back. Uh, tons of space. Yeah, four wheel drive or not, maybe yeah. two wheel drive. Yeah. Uh, it's V8. Uh, it's a V8. Yep, yeah. yep. Okay. They have uh, the Grand Wagoneer has two versions. They got a V6. Okay. It's a twin turbo. It's got about 520 horsepower, which is a ton. Um, and then there is the 6.4 liter Hemi which is a lot. So it can tow up to, you know, 11,000 pounds. Okay. So if you're towing like a big camper or something and you want to yeah. you know, have your family with you inside while you're doing the camper. Yeah. Um, it has been incredible. So this is a new product that Jeep offers and you would be amazed at how hard it is. What they call conquesting it, conquesting okay. someone out of a Denali into a Grand Wagoneer or taking someone out of like a Tahoe and putting them in a Grand Wagoneer. Okay. It's like once you've been loyal to a brand, you just you just kind of stick with it. Yeah. And I've found that that's like the biggest challenge that Wagoneer is facing right now with getting more uh, clients in their cars because they want to sell them. Like we got six or seven in stock right now. Okay. And we would come check it out is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Come check them out. Come check them out. Take it for the weekend. We got this 24 hour test drive thing going on where we're really inviting people to come take the car, go on a family trip, see if it works for you. Mm. And if you come back and you like it, then we'll, you know, yeah, I was going to say, it's more than just me. It's my family's got to love it. Yeah, it's a big decision. My boys, they, I mean, I think my wife Raven calls it the bus. Yeah. Because the first day I pulled up with it um, and just the sound of the V8 and, um, then uh, whenever we take family trips, folks want to ride with us. I mean, we comfortably sit seven. And so I'll tell you, if, if we were to go to anything else, it would be like, hey, it's not just me test driving it. Everyone's got to test drive it. The boys want to know that the TVs work. Raven wants to know that the seat warmer works. You yeah. know what I mean? The she's, plug-ins, she's gotta, the, yeah, all yeah, the stuff, yeah, all the AC. Sure it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's the that's the way the car business is, is going. I think it's great. People need to test the product to make sure that it fits their lifestyle. With the financial decision to mm. purchase a car right now, is like, I, I hope you can go through it with your family. You know, it's tough. Anyone having to bear that decision on their own, uh, that's a tough gig because uh, cars are cars are getting expensive these days, and the the Grand Wagoneer especially is uh, it starts at around like sixty thousand dollars, and then can get upwards to about a hundred thousand dollars. So, but you uh, you get a lot with those vehicles. Yeah. 
Um, so let's. So I want to flash back to dad life, though. So okay. you just talked about dad life. So okay. you, you're a dad. Yep. You're a great dad. Yep. I see you. I try my best. I see you out there being a good dad. I'm, I, I'm a dad too. So I got love for the dad life. Yeah. How does it? Um, what's your favorite thing about being a dad? What's your Saturday morning? I'm sorry. Yeah. The question was that I forgot to tell you was what's your Saturday morning looking like, like when you wake up? Uh, it varies depending on the time of year okay. um, and the age of, of our boys. So right now, Cyril and Royce are six and five, respectively. Cyril will return to seven here in a few short weeks. Um, and so what Saturdays look like a few years ago look different than now, okay. right? And so if it's fall and spring, Saturdays we're getting up to go to soccer practice and to a soccer game likely. Okay. Um, during wintertime we're getting up and going to a basketball game at the YMCA. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and they play at the YMCA, Hartley YMCA, right up here in town off of North Main. Um, summertime Saturdays look a little different, right? We may go out to the farmer's market with the boys mm-hmm. or take them out bike riding or take a day trip out to the lake or um, – Maybe out to hang a rock and do some hiking with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So it's idea. it's cool during the summertime because the Saturdays get to go a lot slower and and there's not as many of the youth sports and things of that nature. That is a very active dad life. I uh, didn't even think about that dad life yeah. because mine are only I was gonna say, two or three aren't, years aren't old. Younger, yeah. Yeah. So, so when I had two and three year olds, that wasn't the dad life. When when they were younger, we had to find different things to do. Yeah. So I think you know you your question was going to go into. What's my favorite thing? Yeah, what's I your favorite thing? To do as that? ages change, it evolves. So now that the boys are older, my six-year-old can ride his bike really well. He can sit down and ride, stand up and ride. He can ride through the neighborhood, ride on the greenway. So I like to get out on the bike and go riding with him now. Like, yeah. I love that. I love riding um, also love throwing a ball, tossing ball with them in the yard. Love doing puzzles with them. Um, love hearing them talk through something that, that they're working on in school. Like I love that because now they can have conversations. A few years ago, they couldn't have conversations. Yeah. So, so my favorite thing to do just might have looked looked a little different back then. Uh, I can't remember. It feels like ages ago, but it was only a few years ago. I'm I'm hoping my kids can have like some more focus and some more like intentionality, like with the way when we speak to each other. Because like now it seems like two and three, man. It's two and three years old, and we're just like mm-hmm. like it's hard to get their attention. They're going so fast. Um, and being able to do like activities like that is yeah. something I cannot wait for. I'm yeah. so excited for that. Yeah, yeah. Our uh, our Saturday mornings are are like goofing off in the uh, living room and then trying to maybe go out to eat or something. Yeah, and like you know going to the park. Like Dude. that's like our biggest like thing is just trying to do those three things. And if we can do those three things, yeah. and everybody like stays alive, yeah, and, like doesn't get hurt, like I'm doing good. Dude, when they're toddlers, it is such a field trip to do anything. Yeah. You know, folks are like, yeah, man, just bring the kids. I'm like, dude, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, dude. I got to have diaper bags. It I got to make marathon. sure I got to change of clothes. I got to think about nap time. So if you ask me to come somewhere, I got to come like at 3 o'clock or I got to come before 12 o'clock because at 12 is lunch and nap time is like you're thinking of all these thoughts. I mean, it's, it's it's literally a lot of work to <laughs> work with toddlers. So <laughs> God bless you, man. Trying to run you. a business and have toddlers. Yeah. It's tough. I got to jump to a funny story about that because it is like the most like, like I do think there's some uh, age of like forgetness, like where like my sister's like, like in her forties now and she has like a 14 or 15 year old. Okay. And so she'll forget what it's like to have a two or three year old. Uh. And so like we're on the plane, which if you're ever excited to bring two toddlers on an airplane, please be my guest. Like I will pay for your ticket to, to take care of them. But anyways, we just recently did this. We went on summer vacation and uh, my sister Catherine is like, Oh, 
I'll just change her diaper like right here in the middle, like of the cabin. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, like no way. Like, could you right, like yeah. that is not like that would be crazy. Like, and she just had forgotten what it's like to travel with kids. And um, I just like hopefully one day I'll forget because it is a struggle. Yeah. It's not something that I'm like always like just super excited to just like show up. Like we like to keep it easy street, like keep it park, simple, man. living room, maybe a restaurant, maybe, a restaurant, maybe yeah. if we're feeling like yeah. really lucky, uh, but maybe yeah. some family's house, but yeah, outside of that, man, it's tough. Yeah. We try to just corral them all together in the um, living room. Yeah. And yeah. So, uh, all right. So Raven is your wife. She yeah. is a rock star. Uh, let's uh, Ravens into a couple of different things, right? She is. Yeah, is I, and, and I got a shout out. Yesterday was our ninth wedding anniversary. Oh, good man. So happy, happy anniversary. Blessed to have been married nine years, and uh, we started dating eleven and a half years ago. Cool. So I got to tell you, I'm half. I, I I'm twice the man I was eleven and a half years ago because well. She was the other half of me, and I had no idea. That's amazing. So I got to go ahead and get that out of the way. Yeah, it's huge, um, man. They are they they trudge the road literally for us yeah. i feel like and like i could be nothing without yeah. my partner tori yeah. well and, and i tell folks all the time if raven was the candidate that you were voting for it'd be be so easy yeah slam dunk it'd be dude it'd be so easy <laughs> uh, I, I wish she could be the candidate for me right because she yeah she could votes easily she she is a rock star i um so you but you're so you're running for mayor yeah that's that's a big deal yep. that's gonna be a huge deal yeah. and to be a wife Okay, so how was that conversation? Like, how did that go about? Let's hear. So, so transparently, when I first ran for council, yeah, I thought it was a tougher sell then than when I told I was running for mayor. And here's why: when I was running for council. You know, neither one of us had known what it's like to be in public office. We'd worked in nonprofits and you know, public school, as I said before, being teachers and working with communities and schools, things of that nature. And uh, so when I said, "Hey, you know, the Lord's laid on my heart." for service to community. She said, I mean, that, that sounds great. I, I think you'd be great at it, but you know, we got two young boys, right. and a mortgage and this and that. Like, yeah. how, how are you gonna juggle all this? And I said, you know, I'm one of those people, just a man of faith that yeah. believes if the Lord lays something on your heart, granted, you have to put a lot of work in, don't get me wrong, it's not a word. but he's gonna guide you. He's gonna order your steps. He's gonna open some doors. You gotta trust him. You just gotta lean on that faith. And sure enough, you know, going into it, winning the election, then getting in doing the work, she began to see the impact Amazing. of that work to be able to say, oh, wow, I, I see now you being in the seat and what you set out to do at the start of the term and the incredible work that's happened. I mean, you talk about the soccer team coming here to town. It's huge. Like those early stories, most folks don't know it, but myself, Brian Gavigan, you know, even, even before my good friend Megan came aboard, those conversations we were trying to do to bring soccer here and then going and chatting with Megan yeah. and Megan making that bold, just a yeah. bold decision, her, her cousins, Matt and Mark Penley, um, and then the rest of the investors. Like that was work that I was in every day, every week. That's why you still see me emceeing all the yeah, yeah. press conferences just, and all the parties that, that, that they do because from the very beginning I've been there, but that doesn't happen without trying to push to be in this role that I am and now or even high point by design, like this what I have here and this vision of of being able to ensure that this city that has a great legacy of home furnishings and design, that we can make a year round activation effort around that. Yeah. Which is a part of our citywide revitalization effort too. Right. And so like being in the seat and doing that kind of work, Raven sees the impact. So then when I told her I was running for mayor, for her it became about, okay, this allows you to take the impact you've been doing and do it on an even greater scale and hopefully be able to find a way to 
you know, continue to push that message. So many of the things that we've been talking about today, right, regarding social responsibility, regarding how you provide good products and services to people, regarding how you make sure to make good investments, yeah. thinking about businesses that have been here 97 years and how do you ensure that they can be here another 97 years, right? It takes a lot of work to do that. And ultimately, uh, just the confidence that she has, that I have, and other folks who are with us have, is that we don't have to be perfect. No. But as long as we're willing to grow, keep making those changes, keep making good, smart decisions, and be committed to it, then together, not one-on-one, -on -one, not as individuals, together, we can realize a great vision for the city. Dude, I love the fire. I love the enthusiasm that, that you, I mean, it sounds like you and Raven are, just, are ready to rock. And yeah. that is awesome. Because yeah. that's, that's what it's going to take. It's just it a ton of effort. And ton of effort. especially if God called you to do that, like that's amazing. Like, go. let's go. Like, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and we, um, and, and good luck. I mean, like, the, just keep that enthusiasm alive. Just, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough road, and I cannot wait to, uh, you know, just see some of your successes. I appreciate that. It's going to be cool. Chris, seriously. All right. So, so do you think you'd ever drive a hybrid vehicle? You know, there's a huge part of me that absolutely says, yeah. Yeah. Hybrid, maybe even fully electric. I fully think. electric, yeah. You know, um, you talk about responsibility earlier. Yeah. And thinking about the world we live in, our environment thinking about global warming, you know, these are things we can't negate. These are things that I just think, you know, you know, you want to be a responsible citizen in the world. And ultimately at some point making that transition, I could see it happening. Um, at the time in which we got our GMC, it's a big seven passenger, you know, you start talking about having multiple kids with multiple car seats, traveling every day. I also, as I said, used to work in schools and in nonprofits. And so yeah, yeah. having to give kids rides home after band practice, things of that nature, um, you know, it was it was a useful utility vehicle and still is a very useful utility vehicle. But I have, I have a lot of respect for what's happening with hybrid vehicles, what's happening with electric vehicles. And I think, you know, the plans that are in place to kind of transition, um, hopefully these are good, responsible plans and that the experts who know how to do it, you guys who are involved in in, um, in automotive dealerships, as well as people who understand the environmental yeah. impacts that, you know, we continue to work together to figure that out. So. That's uh, that's I love I love the hybrids. I think uh, I'm I'm gonna endorse it as a dealer. I think they have a purpose in our um, economy and in our city. So there's like 150 thousand people that live in the city. How many people? Hundred something like so that. So in city proper, inside our city limits, yeah, 120 thousand. Okay, so, right on the periphery and right. the margins, you get to that 150. Even if you go out a little bit more, greater high points like 200 thousand people. So I, I, that's a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. So. Um, Right now, I'm driving a Jeep uh, Wrangler. It's a plug-in hybrid, okay. so I can plug it in. I get 30 miles of range, and then it turns into a hybrid. Okay. So it'll, it it charges up. Um, it's one of the products that Stellantis, the manufacturer, came out with. I think it's great. If we were to sell, you know, 20% of these, so like if we sold 3,000 cars, you know, a year, and 20% of those cars were all electric or hybrid cars, yeah. so our community members. Yeah. I I do think we would have a little bit of a struggle. I agree with getting everybody charged up. I agree. Yeah, um, I, the point you're bringing up is in regards to our electrical infrastructure. And I don't think we're alone. I think yeah. other cities in the United States are struggling with it too. Just it's, it's, a, it's a I think hard... it's across the entire world. If I yeah. need to be honest, yeah, probably. I think that you start talking about usage of electricity, 
across the world in every community for different reasons and um, investing in that infrastructure. Yeah. But doing it again with the good information, right? Talking to our friends at Elderton or other car dealerships and saying, hey, what is the trend? Do you anticipate you're going to keep selling this at this rate? What will that scale up to at some point? And then talking with our folks at the city and the folks who do our electricity to say, you know, do we have the kind of grid that can sustain that? Yeah. And, and, and I can tell you, we're not at any risk right now. And for the foreseeable short term future, we're fine. But we are having the conversations about, you know, after the next 10 years or 20 years from now, even 30 years from now, what does our infrastructure need to look like in order yeah. to support that? It sounds like you're doing a really good job of like just advocating for our citizens and like making sure they stay safe. Mm -hmm. uh, like I think Northern California got caught off guard with some of their infrastructure. And so you see their market went up to like 40% electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, it their power's going out. They're having all these blackouts. And they're having all these blackouts. So there is a bit of, um, you know, awakening that we need to understand what's gonna happen when we do sell all these electric vehicles. You know, you are gonna wanna charge them. We want to educate them as a you know local business and, a, and as a local dealer. Like I want to educate the consumer as much as possible. Uh, so I think it's cool that we can have this joint effort and like yeah. you know let this happen in our city. Like we want right. this to happen. Agreed. Agreed. And it's uh, it's going to be tough though, but we got this. It's going to yeah. be all good. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I think that's it, man. I think we're good. Yeah. I know you okay. got a lot of stuff rolling. I've enjoyed uh, this. This has been really time. nice. Seriously. Well, uh, we'll we'll have to get you back on next season. And you'll be our like one of our first like recurring guests. Okay. Okay. I'm excited, man. Chris, thank you. Thank you so much. See you, man.